Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. One more time. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. Okay, that's kind of cringy there, but. The Dobbs v. Jackson oral arguments have been dissected in every possible way. Tea leaves have been read. Predictions have been made. But does anyone pay attention to what takes place outside the court during these hearings? We do. The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work and the podcast by going to createdequal.org. So I want to continue this discussion about the oral arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And I have in studio two guests. They're colleagues of mine at Created Equal. One's Lexi Hall. Lexi, thanks for coming in. Well, thank you so much for having me in. And Maya Baran. Yes, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to do that. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about that Maya Baron yes. <laughs> are in studio today, and they're here because they were with us out front of the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we kind of want to transition away from what happened inside the court, which now I've documented a little bit on the program, uh, some of the oral, oral arguments uh, by the justices, and we want to talk about what happened outside the court, because there's a lot that happened outside the court, and that's why... We were there, mainly. And uh, so is this, let me just start with you, Alexi. Have you been to a, a, I know you've been to U.S. Supreme Court with us before, Mm -hmm. but have you ever been to the oral arguments of a a Supreme Court case? No, that was my first time. (laughs) And uh, so tell us about it a little bit. Describe the atmosphere. uh, Describe the environment, what was going on, what was it like for for those who are listening. uh, it's it, a lot of people don't have any idea what it was like. So go ahead and describe what it was like out there. Well, I didn't really know what to expect going into it, but um, we got there around seven o'clock, and then the crowd started pouring. Morning, in. that is a.m. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so the crowd started pouring in. Um, we were kind of divided: pro-choice versus pro-life, with a barricade in between us. Right. Um, there were some street preachers going on um, in the middle of the pro-choice side. Gotta love them. Yep, for sure. <laughs> and um, we were kind of stationed on the opposite sidewalk. Um, Lining the entire so sidewalk. the capital capital side. Yes. If you've ever been there, you understand. There's a, a street, First Street, goes straight between the U.S. Supreme Court and the Capitol. We were on the other side of the Supreme Court, facing it. Go ahead. Keep yeah, going. we had um, our photos of abortion victims right. completely lining that whole street, and so um, getting to see people's reaction to that was awesome. Yeah. So why would we go? I mean, a lot of people say, "Why are you going there?" It, you know, it's got to be some kind of crazy circus type atmosphere. Many regards, it is that way. It actually was not as bad as I had originally thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even in the midst of that, we still do this. I mean, we do this because why? We go there because we need to be representing the victims of abortion. If we're not, then who is? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we really are the only group. There's a a couple others that partnered Mm -hmm. with us. And our position is this. You know, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to be deciding abortion, talking about the victim, even though rarely do they even bring up the, the real victim mm-hmm. in the in the case, and it's odd that the victim would not even be represented in his or her own case, and so we're like, huh? 
somebody's got to represent them. And so we do that. And the only way really to do that properly is with the photographic evidence of prenatal development and abortion. Because the babies themselves are victims. They're not around. They're dead. Mm -hmm. And so just us being there is important. We're representing them ourselves, right? But those victim victim photos are absolutely key. And it really brings people, hopefully, to repentance. I mean, they, they see the photos. They come to grips with what the carnage of abortion has brought America for now almost 50 years. And it should bring us to a broken place. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the point of why we bring them. And so <clears throat> go ahead and play. This is just some audio taken from the uh, Supreme Court on the front side, on the pla- uh, on the plaza there. Just to give you an idea of, just from an audio side, what it sounds like. Go ahead. So right now you probably can hear some of the street preaching going on. Right. And some music, the pro-life side was playing some music, so you probably can hear that. <laughs> They're calling us people to repent, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, and you can hear, like, really faintly um, turf talking. Um, turf is... Um, yeah, so... so go ahead. Go. Can you hear him here? Yeah. It's so faint, but I wish everybody could hear it because it's the most catchy song that would stick in your mind <laughs> okay, all so day long. Let's take a second and unpack this. So there's a group called Turf. Yes. Now, they're, they're all kinds of different factions, you know, of the pro-abortion side. Uh, The one thing that they are united in is killing babies, unfortunately. But uh, TERF, explain who they are. So they exclude transgender, uh, transgenders from their movement, but they are radical feminists. So um, they're for abortion, but against transgenderism. So uh, explain that to the listener. I think... um, you know, the old adage, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And what you find from the pro-abortion side commonly are these different kind of groups. I mean, they're, they're kind of broken up, too, but they come together behind abortion. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that the, the trans movement, if you will, uh, is pro-abortion, right? Uh, and this group, TERF, objects to them. Uh, how? It's a little it's hard to kind of figure out but yeah. so they want sex based rights that's what they were chanting mm-hmm. all day long um and explain what that um, from their perspective what that means so they believe that abortion in, is a woman's right they don't okay. like um whenever people use like pregnant person or right. things like that which you hear now it's ubiquitous almost right? exactly so they completely outright reject that because they mm-hmm. think womanhood is a good thing and they right. don't want that to be like taken away mm-hmm. um and so that's where they would differ from, say, the mainstream feminists who have completely accepted right. transgenderism. Planned Parenthood, National Abortion yes. Rights Action League all have embraced the transgender revolution, right? Exactly. It, it's hugely interesting from our perspective to see this happening because up until this point, abortion has been positioned as a woman's right, mm-hmm. a woman's right to choose, right? And now they don't like <laughs> they, they. I mean, much of the yeah. plan... Uh, they don't like it. They want it to go beyond that. It's not just about abortion. This is about social justice, right? And that's why they're they're adding all this other stuff in. That's why they support Black Lives Matter and et cetera, et cetera. But this one group, trans exclusionary radical feminists, turf, was a gr- against 
the transgender yeah. thing that was going on there. I found that very, very... What was the catchy phrase, by the way? I didn't catch uh, that. Woman isn't a state of mind. Woman isn't a feeling. That's what they kept saying. Say, say it again. Woman isn't a state of mind. Woman isn't a feeling. In other words... In other words, woman has to is, do with biology. Yes, you have to acknowledge reality, um, and they they believe in that to an extent, I guess. All right, so here we are in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. You could hear some of the sound there. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's there's a lot going on, but even in the midst of that, I mean, we're there to reach individual people, and a lot of folks would sit back and say, "What? How would that ever happen? That can't happen. This chaos, this this noisy thing going on." How can you have a one-on-one conversation with somebody out there? We're able to do it. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. One more time. Woman is in a state of mind. Woman is in a feeling. Okay, that's kind of... Kind of cringy there. But anyway, that was the chant, one of many, in front of the United States Supreme Court on Wednesday. A group called TERF. They stand for Trans-Exclusionary Radical Feminists. Now, let me ask you this. How many times do you run into people like them? Not very often, I would imagine. We do here at Created Equal, and that's because we go where these folks are. That's what we do. So what we want to do, we've been talking about the oral arguments and the uh, Jobs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case before the U.S. Supreme Court. We talked about the arguments being made, and now we're talking about what happened outside. So get an idea kind of what we're looking at here. And a lot of folks would say, you know, why would you go? It's just, you know, a big protest, all this stuff. We're not there to protest. That's not what this is about. We're always about reaching people. With the truth about abortion and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it can be done. Both can be done. And so, what I want to do here, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to we're going to play a little clip. This is a because we, you know we stood there with our signs for a while, and then I slowly but surely kind of deployed our team into the group of pro-abortion protesters in order to engage them in civil conversation. And that's what we had, believe it or not. I mean, even a group like this, it happens. So we sent our team in, and here's one conversation. It's going to be a little bit noisy in the background. Hopefully you can follow it. Go ahead and play this clip. But there you go. Hopefully you could hear that. But basically, there's a, a woman there who said she had an illegal abortion. This was prior to Roe versus Wade, apparently. Correct? Right. And she wanted to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. Right, correct? And she wanted to have a child on her timetable. Yeah. So, Maya, you went into the crowd. You engaged this uh, woman. 
Uh, she apparently she's a little older. Obviously, if she yeah. had an abortion prior to 1973, she's probably in her 50s, 60s, maybe she, older. She said it was 50 years ago she had her abortion. So wow, I mean that's a while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you would kind of walk through this conversation with her uh, mm-hmm. and some of the things that she was bringing up here. Yeah. So we just had you know our um, EVP signs with us. What and- are those? Um, they're the science, abortion victim photos. Uh, abortion Got victim it. photos. We had those, and so um, we were just standing there and you know asking people, you know, why they were pro-choice, things like that. And this woman, she, um, older woman, she came up to me, and at first she took her sign that said I had an abortion on it and threw it in front of my sign, and I didn't think we were going to have a very respectful <laughs> conversation at that point. Which you know that often happens. They cover up. Yeah. Our signs, which show the victims oh, of abortion, yeah. which is is a little bit ironic. I always kind of point out, you know, this is choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what you support. You should be yeah. Why helping aren't you us. This? Yeah. yeah, I mean, isn't this something you want people to see? Obviously, we know why. But mm-hmm. go ahead. So um, I was able to, me and my friend Jane, she was standing right next to me. We were able to have a conversation with her. Um, she had mentioned, like you heard in the video, she had an abortion um, many years ago. She um she said that she didn't want to, you know, handle. It seemed that she didn't want to handle the consequences of having that child, and that which um, is parenting. Yeah, right. And that she could. It's like she almost couldn't fathom keeping that baby too. So mm-hmm. we were able to talk about value when life begins, moral relativism, even, and get into the gospel at the end. So value and say how value talking about human value, human value. where that where that comes yes, from. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Which explain that to people because. That's something they don't agree with us mm-hmm. on in many respects. You know, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe that we're made in the image of God, that there is no value. Exactly. To human life. So go ahead, unpack that a little bit, how you spoke to her about human value and where, where that is derived. Yeah. So I often bring up human value in my conversations with people because I, I find it um, a great segue into the gospel because um, mm-hmm. that's ultimately what is going to change people. Right. So. I will ask people for eternity. Yeah, exactly. So I'll ask them, do you think human beings have value? And they'll be like either yes or no. And um, shockingly, many would say no. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them would Which say no. Crazy. It's, it's but... consistent with their worldview. A lot of times mm-hmm. if they're atheists, they believe we came from um, nothing and that we have no value. Then, of course, that's that's consistent. Um, however, some when people say yes, I ask them, where do you think that value comes from? Is mm-hmm. it from other people saying that you have value? I said, I could tell my friend Jane right here she doesn't have value, but she still does, right? right. And it doesn't come from us um, saying that our, like we ourselves have value because right. there are many people. It's are, intrinsic in who we are intrinsic. as human It has beings. to come from someone or something Correct. outside of us. And that's what makes the Christian worldview different, mm-hmm. and that's why we are unashamed of the gospel. And so, you, you know, typically, and I'm not – telling everybody what happened but it commonly what we do is we ex, we kind of exhaust all of our pro-abortion our, our pro-life arguments mm-hmm. we realize we're not going to get much further on that and then we transition to the gospel so mm-hmm. explain what would how that happened because i assume you did share yeah yeah um since she you know she was out there um rooting for the pro-choice side right i wasn't really mm-hmm. expecting her mind to change on abortion and right. her to be completely against it right then and there especially. but you put a pebble in her shoe as we say right, right right we talked about you know a little bit about when life begins scientifically and things mm-hmm. like that but that of course didn't change her mind um so i got into the gospel with her because we should share the gospel with everyone but especially um well I think it's especially important to bring up with post-abortive people so that they right. know that there is that hope. Because, you know, no matter what she says, and you would listen to her, she feels guilty. I mean, every one yeah. of them do. They, they know inherently they've done something mm-hmm. wrong. 
and um, we need to be able to show that there is hope, there is forgiveness. Right. So explain how you, I mean, you made that transition. How did she respond? What did you say to her? Well, I told her that we're not out here, you know, judging people who have had abortions because right. I know I have done terrible things in my life. I've sinned against God, right? And I, I don't deserve um, heaven or God's love um, any more than she does. But I, I explained that because of what Jesus has done on the cross when he took our sins upon himself and, you know, died the death we deserve. If we repent and trust in him, we can be forgiven. We can be mm-hmm. saved. But she ended up telling me she didn't want to be forgiven. Really? Um, yeah. So Wow. It's she had heartbreaking. Said, yeah, it's it's very sad, and um, mm-hmm. it's like her life has been defined by her abortion. Almost. Wow. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, again, we're talking to uh, Maya and Lexi from Created Equal here, my colleagues that were at the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday. Uh, Lexi, if you would, let's talk about the podcast that you and Seth and others in our organization put out once a week uh explain what that's all about because you know people say podcasts okay aren't turn off what you know what, what what's this one what makes it different and what makes it so good yeah so this is called the debrief with created equal and it's us each week sitting down right after outreach um it's either like a college outreach or us mm-hmm. you know standing outside the supreme court for a hearing right um and we discuss how that went. Uh, most of the time we focus on one conversation we had. So this week we had Maya sit down, talk about the conversation she just had with that post-abortive woman. Um, and so you kind of get the um, inside view of what it's like talking to somebody about abortion, sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not Deal just... with some of the hard cases. Yeah, exactly. Hear. So it's educational, but also hopefully something that you can um, enjoy while you're listening to it as well. And so how do people pick this up? Now, here, here's, here's the audience for this, I think. If you're interested in getting some, uh, you know, some training, and mm-hmm. this is a different way of training people. Yeah. It's like boots on the ground, you know, real, real life training. That's what this podcast is about, debriefwithus.com. Talk to people where they can pick it up. Yeah, you can find it on any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can go to debriefwithus.com. That's our website. You can um, find it there as well. And all the popular podcasting platforms, right? Yes. Yes. I don't know. So (laughs) let me just say, folks, I mean, if you – these are – we have some wonderful young people working for us. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, it doesn't matter if you're young or old – uh, you love the energy you're hearing. I mean, these folks are are ready and willing to go into battle, go right where the you know rubbers meet in the road, and share the truth about the one of the most defining issues in our day, and that is the the uh, abortion genocide, if you would call it that, and the gospel. Mm-hmm. Then debriefwithus.com, the debrief podcast from Created Equal. You get it's hugely encouraging to listen to young people who aren't just staying at home, you know, looking at their phones (laughs) (laughs) or whatever. You know, it's like they're actually doing something. And if you're a young person, you're looking to engage uh, in the culture and and share the love of Christ and, and save unborn children. You can jump in with Created Equal by going to Created Equal. We're talking about the U.S. Supreme Court. We're talking about the oral arguments. And we are now talking about what happened outside the court with my friends and guests here, my colleagues, Lexi and Maya. 
And I wanted to kind of wrap this up uh, with you, if you would. We've got a, you know some observations outside the court. Um, we've talked about that. One of them I think is interesting, and that is uh, years ago in Time Magazine, I think it was, the president for the National Abortion Rights actually talked about a situation where she was riding in to work each day. She worked in Washington, D.C., and she was taking the metro, and she got off on the day of the March for Life, and she was stunned at the number of young people that were coming to the march. Uh, She coined it the enthusiasm gap. And at the time, I thought, wow, that's something. That's interesting. As we all know, we go to the March for Life, and it's true. There are hundreds and thousands of young people come to the March for Life. But that was true the other day. When they divided the plaza in half, you had the pro-choice side on one side, you had the pro-abortion or pro-life side on the other. And the pro-life side, not entirely, was represented almost, well, very much so with mostly young people. Short of myself, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I led twenty I led twenty young people there. And then on the other side, and I didn't really pick this up when I'm there, but you, when I was there, but you, you shared with me, and I think that's true. On the other side, not so much. Uh, what do you, Lexi? What do you attribute that to? Is there a reason why we see this enthusiasm gap happening? One of the reasons why I think we're even considering the overturning of Roe versus Wade isn't just because Donald Trump put three justices on the Supreme Court, even though that's huge. Mm-hmm. There's been a I mean, we are still in the fight here. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike all these other moral decisions, these ethical questions facing America where it seems like we've just lost <laughs> the battle over many of them, this is one we haven't yet. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like young people are finding their voice. They're looking for a cause greater than themselves. This is the cause of our day. It seems to be attracting young people. Uh, is that your perception? I and mean, when you said there and you noticed it, um, very encouraging. What what do you you know attribute that to? Yeah, I think young people want to get involved more because um, it's kind of been made easier, I guess, for young people to get involved in the pro life movement in a way. And why is how is that? I, I mean, I think there are a lot of organizations that are focused on getting young people involved, right? Um, and they do a good job at doing that <laughs> kind of like us yes yes we do that as well but we do we ask people to do hard things so really hard yes. things and you still got 20 of us to go there <laughs> we were the, i mean we honestly we were the biggest group of people that traveled in yeah uh, from when i could tell yeah uh there were a lot from local but most of those people you know weren't traveling from ohio <laughs> that's for sure exactly so you, you've noticed this on the pro-life side but on the pro-abortion side something very different happening. yeah there is just a lot of old older women uh-huh. um nothing wrong with older women just to get no, that straight i mean no right? no but i do think a lot of them just from the way they were talking the signs they were holding um were post-abortive women mm-hmm. um and even older men there as well and uh-huh. i think that's kind of attributed to the fact that whenever somebody is post-abortive and they remain pro-abortion mm-hmm. a lot of times just just from what I've heard, um, having conversations with them, a lot of times they are trying to do all that they can to make themselves feel okay mm-hmm. for what they have done. Right, and so they recruit others. Exactly. To to agree with them. It's it's kind of a coping mechanism, in other words, yeah. right? I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, if you're stuck in this sin and you haven't come to Christ or understand what you've done, mm-hmm. 
then you find ways of justifying it. One, one way is to get other people to say, oh, it was okay what you did, right? And so mm-hmm. that's what we see in spades at these protests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my heart breaks for them, of course, and I'm sure it does for you. Yes. When you see this in a lifetime of wreckage, probably in their lives, it's not the abortion was awful, of course, and there was a life that was taken there, but their lives have been characterized by bad choices throughout, and that's why it's so important that we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to the women's marches. I mean, we go to all of these because those types of folks are the ones we need to reach. Uh, you know, we hear all the different arguments, some of the hard cases. I'm sure during this time, Maya, that uh, we were out there in the Supreme Court and in, in, in the conversations were being had, one of the main ones that people bring up is what about rape? What mm-hmm. about incest? Right. How can you be so cruel mm-hmm. that you would, quote, force, unquote, a woman to carry a baby to term that she was raped, uh, that right. was conceived in violence? How, how would you respond to that? Uh, because that is the number one, right, that people bring up. How do you respond to the argument of abortion is justified in the case of rape and incest? Well, in rape, we do have to acknowledge that that it's a terrible thing that happens to a woman or girl. And right. she's a victim deserving of justice and advocacy mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. to come alongside her and help her. And right. we, we have to remember who the guilty party is, though, and it's that man. He should be punished to the fullest extent of the law, and we shouldn't punish the child for the crimes of her father. We, The woman shouldn't be forced to raise the baby. She just shouldn't be allowed to kill them. Right. Um, so in looking at, you know, we point to the, the, the victim photos of the aborted babies and we mm-hmm. say can you tell if that baby was conceived in rape or in love i right. can't tell that about you and you can't tell that about me right? right human beings have value no matter what circumstance they were conceived in good answer we've trained you well <laughs> we've trained you well maya thanks for being here thank today. you so much you've been listening to mark harrington your radio activist for more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life liberty and justice go to createdequal.org.org to follow mark go to markharringtonshow.com be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war